Yo, this is Sam Sports Podcast. I am Sam Rosenberg. Today is Wednesday, May 2nd, 2018. I'm back on the mic to talk about the Sixers and the NBA playoffs as they stand right now. Um, Okay, so last week uh, we were waiting for the Sixers to see who they were going to play. Um, That shook out. The Boston Celtics are now facing the Sixers in round two. Very exciting. Celtics ended up pulling out a a Game 7 victory in Boston over the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, Hard-fought series, very hard-fought series. But let's jump in to round two because I got to admit... Game one already happened, and the Boston Celtics beat the living shit out of the Cel- uh, out of the Sixers. So you'll notice the title of this podcast is "The Sixers Got Their Teeth Kicked In" because that's exactly what happened. We now need to roll back all of this Sixers, you know, excitement because I'm not saying they're not good. They're not. I still think they're a team that can go to the finals. I still think they're a team that's going to make a lot of noise. But this game against the Celtics kind of brought everyone back down to earth. The truth is that we were ready, I was completely ready to just have them stroll through the Boston Celtics. I thought the Celtics without Irving and Hayward were really going to be a cakewalk for this Sixer team, especially considering how dominant the Sixers have been over the last couple of months. Um, and considering the fact that the Celtics went seven games against the Bucks, who have really struggled and had the better player in the series, or excuse me, the best player in the series in Giannis Antetokounmpo, I mean, I really thought that the Sixers were going to be able to push around this Celtics team. Holy shit, was I wrong. If anything, this this brought everyone back down to earth and, and reminded everybody, A, the Celtics are a hell of a basketball team. B, they're a very well-coached basketball team. C, Al Horford is not to be fucked with. D, Jason Tatum is fucking dangerous. E, Terry Rozier is playing like a man possessed. And uh, F, the truth is that... um. We didn't want to talk about it a lot, but I'm going to give some credit to Paolo Ugetti of The Ringer because he brought it up the other day before this series started. The Sixers' winning streak at the end of the season was against a bunch of shit-stained under 500 teams. And there was a real question of what were they going to really do against a real team. And you know what? I think we learned that Miami, as scary as I thought they were, they really weren't a real team. Whereas Boston is a real team. This is a team that's going to fe- that's going to attack all of the weaknesses of the Sixers and is going to try to expose them as as much as possible and really give them as much trouble and get them to work harder and play better. And this Boston team did it because everything that could have gone right for Boston in game one did and everything that could have gone wrong for the Sixers did. So Sixers got their teeth kicked in. What went wrong? I can tell you, number one, three-point shooting was terrible. All right, Boston had some great defensive schemes uh, lined up. The three-point shooting from Ilyasova, Bellinelli, and Redick was all bad. All bad. None of these guys could find their stroke. None of them could get any breathing room to get a decent shot off. All of their plays that they ran coming off the curl, they had no room. They couldn't get any shots. And the shots they did get, they couldn't They couldn't sink. I mean, that's something that you can't get around is the fact that, listen, you can play as great defense as you want, but this team is not going to shoot this badly from three again. I mean, they might do it. Like, this doesn't happen every single game you're going to shoot five of 26. Number one, they didn't even shoot that many three-pointers, and number two, the ones they did shoot didn't go in. So that's something that came away that you can't kind of get around. Number two, the defense was a terrible. Sixers defensively were not good. I mean, Joel Embiid really took a lot on himself. He, t- he, he, he will take a lot of the blame. Um, and, and he, I mean, listen, I don't think he was terrible, but I mean, there was a lot of stuff where Al Horford had him for lunch. Jason Tatum was just dominating them. I mean, there was a real problem with the Sixers defense and for a team that I think worked really hard 
to get their defense up this year, it was quite a shock to see Boston really push them around and really just have their number on defense. Um, Ben Simmons was not aggressive. Uh, I think that uh, he had more turnovers than assists. Um, I think that the the Celtics had a really great game plan against him. They put guys like um, Marcus Smart on him, and uh, they put guys like, uh, oh, uh, what the hell's his name, Marcus Morris on him. They were able to give him more room. They gave him enough room. You know, they kind of split the defense. They kind of split the difference because they weren't up on him so that he could just look over the defender and pass the ball wherever he wanted to go, but they weren't far off on him defensively that he could gain a head of steam and just go right past the defender. They actually forced him to make some tougher decisions, and you know what? Simmons struggled a bit. I mean, they really got the better of him in this game. I mean, I don't think they rattled him from a from a composure standpoint, but they definitely got him to perform poorer than he normally does. Um, Embiid could not contain Horford. Al Horford really, really killed them in this game. I mean, his ability to take advantage of the Sixers defensively, his ability to take advantage of the Sixers offensively, his ability to get underneath uh, Embiid's skin, his ability to get Embiid away from the ball, or excuse me, away from the hoop. I mean, Horford just looked like such an experienced veteran for a team that looked really young. You know, we've really forgotten how young this team is. I think there's, there's, you know, Bill Simmons was even mentioning it before this series started, how... We talk about how teams are young and they need some experience, but then there's some teams where it all clicks overnight, and even though they don't have the experience, they have it all right then and there. And they were talking about this Sixer team. Well, game one, it really looked like they looked young. I mean, they looked like they got run off the court. They were missing coverages. They were missing picks. I mean, Boston had their number. And for a team like Boston that just finished a grueling seven-game series, this Sixers team looked rusty. They looked rusty. They didn't look ready to play. I think they got rattled coming into a visiting arena. And Boston just pushed them around and, like I said, kicked their teeth in. The one bright spot, I will say, is I think Sarich had a pretty decent night. Um... You know, I think he got a few nice shots. He didn't explode. He was another victim of the uh, the poor three-point shooting for the Sixers as well. Uh, but I think he just, he was one of the guys that I think came up and, and whereas Redick and Bellinelli and Ilyasova were able to kind of, were, were kind of shut down, you know, a guy like Saric was sort of a guy who I felt like was, who, who wasn't rattled by this Celtics team and was still able to get his. Now, the Celtics were hitting three-pointers like crazy. And this is another thing where I don't think you're going to see the Celtics hit as many three-pointers throughout the rest of the series, whereas in this game one, they were lights out from beyond the arc. Terry Rozier was 6 of 8. I mean, he scored 20 points, and the truth is he's just not going to hit that many three-pointers from beyond the arc, and the Sixers are not going to give him that much room moving forward. But this is something they have to look at as this series progresses. Jason Tatum, holy fucking shit. This guy killed the Sixers in the first game. I mean, J.J. Redick cannot guard him. They had Redick on him. He can't guard him. Um, they tr- they tried to put a few other guys on him at times. Um, oh, God, who was the other defender who they needed to put on him? And it just did not work whatsoever. Jason Tatum was really killing this team. For everything that Horford did, I mean, Tatum stepped right in and, and just supplemented everything because Horford was being able to pull and beat away from the basket Tatum was able to get, you know, mismatches that he could take advantage of. He was able to get uh, Redick off of his ass. He was able to get anybody he needed off of his ass. And it really just kind of left the Sixers, you know, with with their heads spun around trying to figure out a way to contain Jason Tatum because they really couldn't. He couldn't. 
I mean, they could not take advantage of him. And I think this time, hopefully, I mean, maybe we'll see Simmons on Tatum a little bit more. Maybe we'll see, uh, I mean, Saric on Tatum a little bit more because having, um, I mean, having Redick on him did not work at all. I mean, that's one thing. Listen, Reddick's a shooter. He's got a lot of positives to him, but he's not a, a closed-down defender, and Jason Tatum took advantage of him. And then lastly, Marcus Smart was really a good piece for this Celtics team in Game 1. You know, he hit a couple of three-pointers, and he's not a guy who's really known for hitting three-pointers. Aaron Baines is not a guy known for hitting three-pointers, and he was there stretching the floor, hitting corner threes. I mean, the fact that the Sixers were so poor from beyond the arc and the Celtics were so good from beyond the arc are just two things that you know are going to regress to the mean. You know the Celtics aren't going to shoot as well, and you know the Sixers are going to shoot better. So I think that's something you got to be looking for as the series progresses. And now is as good a time as any for Brett Brown to make some coaching adjustments because now you really need to take advantage of these moments. You've got to figure out a way to shut down Jason Tatum. You've got to figure out a way so that Terry Rozier doesn't have nearly as many good looks, and you've got to figure out a way to shut down Horford or at least minimize him because these guys, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid are better than these guys. Simmons and Embiid should be able to take over this series. They should be able to be guys who are going to punish this Celtics team instead of being guys who are running around trying to keep up with this Celtics team. I'm still picking the Sixers to win this in six games. But after game one, man, it, it, it showed everybody across the board that we all need to hold our tongues before we just start, you know, you know, writing, penciling the Sixers right into the NBA Finals because... They've still got to work for it. Boston finished with a better record for good reason. And you know what? Spolster and Brad Stevens are good coaches, but I do think Boston has better personnel than Miami. And it was on display against the Sixers. So I expect the Sixers to come back and answer in game two. I expect them to really make some adjustments. I'm going to expect more... um, you know, preparations for the switching to happen. I, I, I'm curious if I'm going to see more of Rashawn Holmes, um, more of um, uh, Amir Johnson. I just think that they need to have a little bit more of a post presence in addition to moving the ball. I, I mean, they didn't move the ball at all. They didn't really get any good looks for their three-point shooters, and that's just something that is not I mean, that's not how this Sixers play. That's not how this Sixers team functions. So I'm really expecting them to bounce back in game two. And again, I still think they're going to win in six games. But holy shit, did they ever get their teeth kicked in in game one? Now, let's move on to um, let's move on to the rest of the playoffs because um, we need to talk about the rest of the playoffs. It's it's I think the I think the most exciting one right now is the Warriors and. Um, the Pelicans, because Steph Curry came back. Stephen Curry came back uh, for game two and and came off the bench and scored 28 points. I mean, this fucking guy. <laughs> I mean, he's been he's been he's missed the last two three months of the, of basketball. He steps right in like he hasn't missed a beat. And again, the Warriors beat the Pelicans last night. It was it was actually kind of a close game. Uh, although the Warriors still managed to put up 121 points and beat the Pelicans by five points. They're up two games to nothing now as they go back to New Orleans. Um, this is, again, I think the Pelicans have a great roster. I think they've got a lot of talent, but the Warriors are clicking right when you right when they want to be clicking. I mean, they are turning it on. We've talked about being able to flick a switch. They are flicking the switch, man. I mean, they're able to dominate Again, I'll say it. I said it last week. I'll say it again. All of the poor play that I saw at the end of the season with the Warriors, 
is not happening now. Draymond Green is playing out of his mind. Um, you know, he had a triple-double in Game 1 against the Pelicans. I don't think he had a triple-double in Game 2, but he still was dominant. Um, Kevin Durant was dominant. Steph Curry was dominant. Klay Thompson wasn't dominant, but it didn't fucking matter. They still just stifled this Pelicans team. You know, Anthony Davis is doing everything he can. Drew Holiday is playing as tenaciously as he can, but this Warriors team is just better. I'm picking the Warriors in six because I do think that the Pelicans, Anthony Davis, when they go back to New Orleans, I think they can steal... I think they can steal two games. I really do. I think that there's enough in the tank with the Pelicans team and enough talent with Holiday and Rondo and Anthony Davis that they could steal two games. Um, I'm picking the Warriors in six, but it's just the Warriors are a fucking juggernaut right now, and they're getting hotter by the moment, and they just got Steph Curry back. It's hard to bet against them. Uh, the Rockets, who are playing right now, um, game two against uh, the Utah Jazz in Houston, um, there's not much for me to say about this series. The Rockets are not exciting to watch. You know, it's a bunch of three-point shooters and Clint Capella surrounded, uh, surrounding James Harden. Um, you know, Utah is an exciting team. Donovan Mitchell's been fantastic. But the structure of this team and the matchups with how Utah plays and, you know, how they need to sort of benefit from Gobert, it's just... I don't think they have the pieces to stop this Rockets team. This Rockets team, at any given time, they can blow up and pour 20, 30, 40, 50 points on you in a quarter. And, you know, I just don't see Utah having the infrastructure or the pieces to slow down this Rockets team. I think the Rockets are going to beat them in five games. And it's going to be the inevitable clash of the Titans between the Rockets and the Warriors in the Western Conference Finals. I mean, that's my take on this. That's what I think this is going to, that's what I thought this was going to end up as months ago. And I still think that's the case. Um, so listen, I feel like there's going to be a lot more to talk about with the Warriors and the Rockets when they actually hit each other in the Western Conference Finals, but until then, I mean, it's just going to be more of them bowling over these, these middle-of-the-pack teams who are trying to, you know, do, who are trying to put a dent in them. Now, lastly, let's talk about the Cavaliers and the Raptors. Cavaliers stole Game 1 in Toronto. It was a one-point overtime victory where the Raptors should have won this game, I mean, holy shit, this is just, the fact that we're going through this storyline for the third straight year, where the Raptors have a great team, they have all the pieces in place, they have everything they need to beat a team like the Cavaliers, and now the Cavaliers are weaker than they've ever been, LeBron has probably the worst supporting cast he's had in years, and yet, Raptors still choked at the end of the game, and the Cavaliers still got their first lead in overtime and managed to win the game. I mean, it's just embarrassing how this Raptors team figures out a way to fold like a cheap suit. DeMar DeRozan had plenty of opportunities, but yet somehow he's passing the ball to Fred Van Vliet to, to shoot the game winner. I mean, uh, Jonas Valanciunas, a guy who has not been known for closing out games in the fourth quarter, had a monster game against the Cavaliers, but yet in the very end of the game, he had three tip-ins where he missed sh hitting the bucket. I mean, it was just time after time after time, the Raptors have a chance to pull out the victory and, and stomp on this Cavaliers team, and they can't figure it out. They just can't figure out a way to sink the bucket. They can't figure out a way to get the right matchup. I mean, Pascal Siakam, uh, you know, Jakob Pertl, um, uh, you know, Corey, who are some of the other guys that they were throwing at LeBron? Because the truth is, who the hell is supposed to guard LeBron? OG Ananubi? I mean, these guys, as it, Raptors don't have anybody to guard him. And he's going to have to do most of the heavy lifting as he's been doing all playoffs. And he's going to continue to do it. And the Raptors still don't have anybody to stop him. It's just, it's just frustrating because the Raptors should beat them. 
They've done everything right, and they should beat them. And the fact that they they were bumbling at the end of the, that game, making mistakes, still letting Cleveland just eke this way, eke out a victory. I, I just so disappointing. I'm picking the Raptors to win the series. I thought they were going to win the series uh, at the beginning of the playoffs. I'm still sticking to that story. I know I love LeBron. I, I'm I'm probably the biggest person who would never bet against LeBron James, but I do truly believe that this is the season he's going to miss the finals and get eliminated from the playoffs by one of these Eastern Conference teams. And I truly believe that the Raptors are the team to do that. And right now I'm picking the Raptors. I mean, I want to... God damn it, I want to pick the Raptors so much, but the truth is I can't. Truth is I can't. I'm sitting here saying I know LeBron's going to go down. I can feel it in my bones. One of these teams is going to take him out, but... I mean, after game one, it's hard for me to pick the Raptors. I'm picking the Cavaliers in seven games. I think the, I think the Raptors will steal games. I think they're going to pick up game two. I think they're going to win a game in Cleveland. I think they'll be able to, to steal game five as well in Toronto. But the truth is, if it ends up in a game seven, even in Toronto, my money's on LeBron. My money is on LeBron James to step up in a game seven and win this. And right now, the Raptors have just... They, they haven't shown the ability to set themselves apart from the pack and prove to everybody that they are the number one seed who should be able to just mow down teams like the Cavaliers who are, who are 27th in the league in defense. And the fact that they have that shitty a defense and the first time they decide to play defense is against the, the Raptors and they pull out a victory, I just, come on, Toronto. What the fuck are you doing over there? I can't, anyway. Anyway, those are my thoughts. Uh, thanks a lot for listening. That's all I have for today's Sam Sports Podcast. I'll be back next week. Um, at that point, we should be at least four games into this series with the uh, Sixers and the Celtics. Um, I'm pretty confident it's not going to be a sweep. Uh, so I would like to think the Sixers and the Celtics will still be playing when I come back next week. Um, I don't know about the Rockets and the Warriors. That Western Conference might already be set by the time I come back next week. But I definitely think this Cavs-Raptors series is going to keep going. Um Right now, I'm picking Sixers-Cavs in the Eastern Conference Finals, Warriors-Rockets. Um, I'll come back with answers on who I think is going to actually be in the... I still think the Sixers are going to be in the Finals, but I'm on the fence of whether or not it's going to be the Rap, uh, the Rockets or the Warriors. Uh, anyway, that's all I have for Sam Sports Podcast. Thank you very much for listening. You can subscribe to Sam Sports Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. You can uh, like my Facebook page, Sam Sports Station. Follow me on Instagram at... Sam Sports Station. Follow me on Twitter at SmithFaceJones. Or you can also email me with any comments, questions, or just talk some trash with me at samsportsstation at gmail.com. I'd love to hear your thoughts. I'd love to hear your take on things and just love to love to talk some basketball and sports with you. Anyway, that's it. I'm getting out of here. I'm going to go watch Game 2 Rockets Jazz. Enjoy this weekend slate of games. I'll be back next week to talk more Sixers. Take it easy. Bye-bye.